Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. You can check out new episodes of the show every Tuesday and Thursday at 2 p.m. If you missed an episode or want to get more information about the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Robin Gilthorpe, CEO at WaterSmart Software. Robin, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm excited um, to have you on the show. I think what you what you guys are doing is super important and, and is really cool. And you have quite an impressive background and you're tackling a huge global issue. But maybe kind of before we get into WaterSmart, let's get to know you a little bit better and kind of cover your background. And, and maybe we'll start off with where you grew up. Yeah, sure. I, I grew up. Uh, in England, uh, went to school there, and uh, and then also in uh, France and in Italy. Okay. Um, so I kind of got the travel bug, and uh, I've uh, lived and worked all around the world ever since. Okay. So what kind of got you kind of traveling all over the world to for like obviously was it just for work or did you just kind of want to travel or kind of what was the reason behind you you know kind of moving around so much. Uh, well, it, it started to study, and then study became work. And um, you know, by background, I'm I'm a recovering economist, okay, <laughs> and a, a quantitative economist at that. So basically, basically a, a math kid. And then I somehow got muddled up in the world of computer science and writing algorithms to analyze data, um, and ended up applying that knowledge. Uh, both on a technical level and also just in terms of how it gets applied in various different industries. And uh, so I had the opportunity to work in you know, Milan and Madrid and Paris and Hong Kong and Tokyo and New York and here. Wow, that, that's, that's quite impressive. So what did you take in university then? Um, so I, I did, um, well, I started out doing, uh, doing economics. Um, I actually ended up... Uh, Taking a second uh, major as well, ended up taking Italian as well. Okay, uh, but that was kind of uh, you know largely unrelated. But I, I tended to do all the all the quantitative, all the sort of crunchy uh, stats courses, and um, you know modeling and uh, and so on. And it it turns out that that's a good background for somebody who wants to go and apply uh, those capabilities in uh in the real world sure no i I think that's that makes a lot of sense and i I know you've worked at kind of a bunch of big data kind of analytics companies like you mentioned so i'm kind of curious and you don't really have to give me company names but let's maybe cover a little bit of your professional career and kind of the types of um companies you worked at and and whatnot and kind of what led you up to kind of starting watersmart yeah, so I had, um, while I was still in uh, grad school, actually, uh, I ended up working uh, on a trading desk, uh, you know, looking at what um, various debt, for example, was really worth compared with how it's priced. And what you find out is that everything is mispriced slightly. Okay. Um, but there's so much data that it's really hard to find, you know, find those uh, gems among a you know, uh, a mass of grains of sand on the beach, so to speak. So, um, so you end up using technology to help you with that. Um, and uh, so I, you know, applied that in capital markets, and then I rep- applied it in retail finance, um, and uh, and then in 
national security and in um, government sector more generally and in retail and mobile phones and a whole series of industries. And, you know, it's a little bit like when you learn lots of different languages, even if you never studied linguistics, you start to get a sense of the patterns. Um, you know, even if you haven't explicitly studied what we now call big data, once you try to apply these techniques to lots of different industries, you work out what's different and you need to go and learn very aggressively and get up to speed on, but then also what's similar. Um, and that really allows you to, uh, you know, to build better systems and to build better businesses. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm kind of curious to know um, what is kind of WaterSmart and, and why did you guys kind of start it up? Yeah, so really this was um, <clears throat> this was a, an idea at the kitchen table of uh, my colleague on the management team here, uh, Peter Yalas. And Peter uh, spent, you know, 20 plus years in and around water. Okay. The policy side, the non-profit side, the environmental side, and the financing piece of the equation. So he'd seen this for lots of different areas. And um, you know, anyone who spent a lot of time in the industry um, realizes that you know this is an industry that has been very well served by physical engineering and, sure. and very poorly served by digital science. Interesting. And so he really saw an opportunity to... Uh, you know, to, to see if there was a business there. And, um, you know, so one of the other key members on the team here is Doug, who's a, our CTO. Doug, like me, originally came out of financial markets, and there he learned to build huge systems, very robust systems that could deal with, you know, billions and billions of transactions at a time, um, and, uh, and had that sort of deep computer science um, background. And... Um, and then, you know, I've, I've spent 20 years in these various different types of analytics and now what we call data science, um, and particularly in going after specific verticals. So you've got kind of the, uh, the, the water science guy, the computer science guy, and the data science guy. Um, and that's really, those are the strands of the DNA that we try to blend throughout the company. That's, that's actually, that's very cool. And I, I think that's, that's kind of like where the future of things are going, right? Where you kind of bring a bunch of people that have specialties in a bunch of um, kind of different industries, you bring them together to solve kind of these big kind of global problems. So maybe let's kind of cover what exactly you guys do. Sure. Um, so at the very simplest level, um, we run a big data platform in the cloud that helps utilities and end customers to make better choices and deliver better outcomes for themselves, for the communities in which they live, for the environment, um, and, and also in terms of making sure that the, the whole sort of financial side of the house is taken care of. So, you know, we do that um, with a platform that utilities buy from us, utilities use it, but also they make it available uh, to their end customers. And they make it available on all the platforms that customers today want. Their mobile phones, their laptop or tablet, 
Uh, we can communicate with them by voice, by text, and even by paper if necessary. Very cool. So how? So okay. So I'm a utilities company. How do I kind of go about um, using your product? So if if you're a utility company, you probably have um, you know one of three topics top of mind, and and probably actually all all three of them are in your top five, but. Um, you know, utility executives, and I speak with them every week, pretty, almost every day, um, they are generally concerned about quality of service, okay. um, about financial viability for the utility in the short and long term, and about um, being able to get support from their stakeholders. And those stakeholders mean regulators, legislators, and customers. And so what we do for them is we take a little bit of data that they already capture and use in their normal course of business, a couple of data streams, and we combine that with about seven or eight other data streams that we assemble on a broad basis. <clears throat> and um, we combine those at huge volume. Uh, so we're looking at over a billion data points every hour. Oh, wow. And we're looking for patterns and anomalies. And what we can do with that is we can help them visualize what's going on within their utility, maybe across the whole utility, um, in a particular uh, subdivision or region, um, right down to an individual consumer. Um, so we give them a dashboard which allows them, you know, 21st century high quality visualization analytics. Um, for all of their uh, customer service staff, their operations staff, their sustainability staff, financial staff, and so on. <clears throat> and then what we do is we help them forge this trusted channel of communication out to their customers. Because it turns out that most customers don't spend a lot of time thinking about water. Sure. No, that, um, I, would, and, I would agree with that, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, so then basically what we do is we use that that sort of process data in order to have a completely customized conversation, a personalized conversation with each and every single customer. Interesting. So this isn't um, one message broadcast to everybody, regardless of their situation. It's a specific message for you based on uh, where you live, how you live, how many people you live with, what the weather's doing, what the supply system is doing, everything is personalized and appropriate to that point in time. So do you, so would you like send the customer like a notification saying you're using too much water or, or like, how does that kind of work? Like, what are you kind of analyzing? Because I kind of see you guys almost like, you're almost like the nest, but for like water where, you know, the nest really made people start actually caring and, and watching kind of the heat and the stuff that they're, you, you know, that they're using in their house or their AC, I should say. And, and so I kind of see what you guys are doing kind of in, in just the water industry kind of compared to the nest. And, you know, people, everybody I know that has one loves a thing, actually cares, and it gets them really starting to think about how much kind of energy they're using. Would you, is that a fair comparison? I, I think that's a pretty good, um, that's a pretty good first comparison, actually. Um, you know, when uh, it depends a lot on where in the world we're working with 
uh, a utility, right? Some okay. utilities care a lot about water use. Some care more about energy use. Some care about greenhouse gases. Um, some care about stormwater or wastewater, or as we've seen in the papers this last month, uh, water quality. Sure. Um, but the key, the key thing is that utilities have traditionally focused on running the pipes and pumps and plants really well. They focused on that quality of service thing, but they've often neglected the fact that some elements of what people perceive as quality of service are, are not really to do with those physical assets. Mm, right. You know, you're inevitably going to get at some point uh, water main breaks or outages for maintenance or things like that. Sure. People's perception of the service level is very different if you say, hey, this is, uh, this is coming up. It's going to be on Monday morning. Um, and then maybe on Monday morning you say, just reminding you, um, the right. water is going to be off from um, 10 until further notice, but we estimate that the service will be completed in by 12 o'clock. We'll send you a text to follow, follow up to let you know when it's safe to proceed. Uh, and very so cool. That kind of layered and precise communication, you know, this is, this is kind of the antidote to what we still think of, although it's actually largely become not so true in a lot of parts of the country, at least now, but as the sort of the cable TV guy um, experience. Right. Yeah, I'll, I'll be there between Tuesday and Friday. <laughs> <laughs> but but you have to be home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I I think that's 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 really interesting. So from the customer side, um, can I like what what do I see from from the app or or the kind of the web app? So what you'll see is you'll see um, information about your own use. Okay. Uh, we make sure that customers only ever actually see their own data. Sure. Right? So this is not about um, shaming or violating anyone's privacy or anything like that because, um, you know, one, that would be wrong, and two, actually, it's counterproductive. Um, but what we do let them do, do is to benchmark themselves against what we know would represent a, a normal usage pattern for their particular situation. Um, so if you live in a 2,700 square foot home, 270 square meters on a 11,000 square foot lot, and it's in you know a particular zip code, and therefore we know you know how big your yard is, we know what the weather is and the climate is for that zip code, we know perhaps that you've got three people in the house, we know the house was built in 1978. All these different factors, we work those into our model, and that's how we can come up with a very accurate estimate of how much water you should be using on that basis um, and where it's being used. And so, you know, we can have a contextual conversation with you. So if there's a storm front coming into town, we know when that storm front hits, not the city or not the zip code but your street Interesting. Um, and so that helps us to communicate very precisely with people and you know look if you've got a big storm coming in you want to make sure that the um and, and you know there have been blockages in the past you want to make sure that the catch basin outside your house is, is not blocked Interesting. and of course yeah the cities will go out and try to keep that clear and so on but in the end you know it it's your basement not theirs that is that is going to get flooded 
Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm kind of curious to know like some more of the features, I guess, either whether they're implemented now or kind of coming in the future, because this whole space is kind of fascinating to me where you almost control and you're more aware of kind of what you're what you're putting out there and kind of how you can kind of monitor what you're doing and not doing in, in these kind of, I would say, kind of archaic industries and you're modernizing this kind of archaic industry. I, I think that uh, that's one way to look at it, I suppose. I mean, I think, you know, nobody underestimates how smart the um, the folks are in this industry. Sure. But I think that um, the industry has been built with billions, about trillions of dollars of investment in physical plant um, and with people who have skills in running that physical infrastructure. Right. And... That was the right thing to do when we had lower population, lower population density, less urbanization, um, and and the lack of whatever it is that's going on with the weather and the climate right now. Sure. Um, at, at a minimum, more variability and, and maybe some permanent long-term changes. So I think um, this is really an evolution, and these types of evolution particularly when there's so much sort of sunk capital in terms of both money and human capital, intellectual capital, um, they're inevitably situations where change happens almost imperceptibly at first and then all of a sudden. Um, and I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing the beginning of that all of a sudden uh, capability. And that's, look, that's why we've managed to pick up 50 plus utilities you know, okay. coast to coast in the US and, and continue to be marching forward. Sure. So are, are you guys going to eventually kind of move outside the US market or is that just kind of you don't really know where you're going to end up? So the nature of the startup business is that you never really know where you end up, but uh, we certainly perceive this as a, uh, as a global opportunity. I mean, ultimately, the opportunity here is to change the way that the 5 billion people in the world who are connected to city water um, interact with their utility and use and think about water. Um, so this is a this is a global opportunity. Sure. And I think, um, you know, later this year, we'll start poking around with um, some of the international market to evaluate, you know, which is the best next step. Sure, that that makes a lot of sense, and I love kind of adding technology to to different industries. It, it's always kind of fascinating to me. So I'm kind of curious though, why for, for 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 people out there that don't really know, kind of like why is this important? Because the example that's kind of resonated with me, I was in Los Angeles last year during the drought, and about a few weeks later, I was in San Francisco. And you ask anybody, well, I shouldn't say anybody, but we asked a few people when we were in LA about like, oh, like, so what's, what's with the drought? And the, I got majority of people answered, oh, that's somebody else's problem. They'll figure it out. You go to San Francisco and you see signs everywhere saying like, conserve water, we're in a drought, blah, blah, blah. Like people seem to not really care in Southern California, where in San Francisco, a lot of people really cared about it. And I'm not saying the general public, it's just, you know, we asked a handful of people and it seemed just like even in different parts of California, the, the perception of it was quite different. 
Yeah, so I, I think the first thing to say about water is um, it's simultaneously a global problem, but also very localized in terms of how it presents. And so, look, if you're in the southeast of the country, then stormwater is a much bigger issue than, um, than drought. If you're in the northeast of the country, then it might be more about wastewater. Um, right. If you're in the sort of Chicagoland area, it may be about, um, you know, infrastructure renewal. Um, and, and clearly, you know, once you're west of the 100th meridian, sort of roughly runs up and down through Nebraska, um, then the whole population migration west and southward, um, plus the fact it was already a, a fairly arid um, environment, um, really does mean that um, that conservation is at least on the list for many communities. But our point is um, that you have to have a conversation, you have to seize the agenda of that conversation, and fundamentally for, for these folks who are not set up to do it, we help them have a conversation, have an interaction with their community that allows the whole community to get pulling in the same direction. And the reason to do that, other than it's, you know, look, it's lovely to be liked and all the rest of it, but the reason to do that goes back to those three issues, the quality of service, the financial viability, and the stakeholder support. If you don't get stakeholder support, um, then you won't have a financially viable business. And the reason is that, you know, a lot of rates are set based on regulatory and legislative input. And if the citizens hate you, you will not get the rates that you need to make the investments you need. If you don't make those investments in the long term or the short term, you can't maintain quality of service. And, and one thing we do know, uh, we sort of knew it already, but we've been, you know, uh, really had a rude awakening and a reminder of it um, in the past month or so is that if the water is coming out, you know, looking funny, tasting funny, and smelling funny, you do not have stakeholder support. So all these three things are very much linked. Okay, and I think that, um, you know, the question really is, what is the, the message, what is the theme, and what are the mechanisms that you're going to use um, in order to engage in that communication? And you've, you've got to be where the people want to be. Uh, that's just the reality of today. No, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm curious to know kind of, how do you guys monetize this, or how do you charge the um, elect or sorry the water companies? We charge the utilities based on um, essentially the the number of customer connections they have, the number of meters. Think of it in those terms. Sure. Um, and based on which services we're running for them. So we always run analytics for. 100% of the meters that are in a particular utility. Okay. Uh, at the same time, um, once we look at those analytics, we can have a conversation with the utility and say, you know, from what we're seeing and, and what we know about your policy environment and your ecological environment and so on, you should be running these kinds of programs or those kinds of programs. Oh, interesting. And, um, and so it really depends, you know, how many meters and how many programs of how many different types. And so it sort of layers, it's a layer cake kind of business model. Okay. Um, and it's based on an annual subscription. 
Um, and, uh, you know, this, this allows utilities to reduce their operational costs, to manage their capital costs, to, you know, get better customer satisfaction scores, to, you know, navigate the political and financial and operational realities that they, that they have to. Sure. So, so do you have kind of different packages that you offer different um, utility companies then? It sounds like you do. Yes, we do. Yeah. So we, we, you know, as I say, everybody gets the analytics. Right. Um, and then we do the, what we call the engagement piece. Um, and, you know, we tend to do that for some subset, you know, some non-100% um, number of the, uh, of the end consumers, um, although some communities do it 100%. Um, and then we may run simultaneously. We might be running some programs on, um, you know, for disadvantaged communities, um, and we may be running other programs about um, stormwater uh, mitigation. And so, you know, if somebody has a, a large and diverse district, they might be running two or three or four different programs at the same time. Oh, interesting. Okay. So do you also provide um, the different um, companies with data from not necessarily like or from other utility companies in other parts of the country that are in kind of have a similar population size and kind of climate and, and whatnot, even if you don't mention the name, do you kind of say, you know, you're comparable to, you know, these, and then you kind of rate them or, or is that something that is not really useful or you're not really doing? So uh, we look at this at actually a lot in the, um, in the sort of data science lab here. Um, and we're seeing a lot of evidence that that is potentially useful. We don't currently do it yet. Okay. Um, but we're certainly investigating the extent to which that can be presented in a form that's useful um, and with a, an appropriate set of controls around confidentiality and all the rest of it. And right. really what we're talking about is anonym, anonymized data. Um, and the question is much more about how do you end up with a good statistical match um, from one utility to another. Um, and the evidence appears to indicate that that's not necessarily, um, you know, another utility that's in the same metro area or even the same state. Um, and, and that would make sense to us sort of philosophically because, you know, when we're doing those comparisons at the consumer level, um, where we show them kind of a, a, an anonymized average benchmark for somebody who looks just like them, um, it is almost never literally their next door neighbor. So, right. so that, um, you know, that's something that we're investigating. And we do think that all of these kind of meta levels of, of comparison and of benchmarking um, have a great deal of value for the utilities themselves. And also for the regulators and legislators who need to work out what sort of policy and what sort of regulations and practices sure. to implement in their particular watersheds or states. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. The other thing I'm kind of curious about, and I'm, I'm curious if it's even possible, is if you have the data on kind of how old um, infrastructure is in certain cities, could you potentially predict when a pipe's going to burst or, or, or other things and say like, oh, this is could potentially going to burst, you know, in 
two months, maybe you should get send some guys out there to check on it. Like, could you do stuff like that? So this type of technique um, can do that, but that's not what we do. So we we really focus very much on this kind of customer interaction sphere. Okay. Um, in that more operational and uh, supply distribution network sphere, there are other folks who who actually do that kind of stuff. It actually depends a good deal on having a a certain critical mass in terms of sensor networks. Um, some cities are starting to get there in the U.S., but in general, the U.S. is not well served in terms of having that fully meshed sensor network that allows you to get enough data to really model this stuff out. And as you pointed out, a lot of cities have old infrastructure, and one of the you know one of the opportunities that you get when you start replacing infrastructure is the ability to embed the sensors. In, in the right place. But that's tough to do when, for example, even in, you know, even in the nation's capital, in D.C., the average age of a water main is 76 years. Oh, wow. Which is unfortunate because the useful lifetime of those things is 50 to 75 years. Um, okay. Which, uh, which is the essence of the problem. Sure. Okay. No, that, that's, that's really interesting. So I'm kind of curious to know where do you guys kind of see WaterSmart kind of going in the future? I think there are three answers to that. I think uh, one, uh, we, we definitely will investigate the opportunity for geographical expansion. Um, water by its very nature is, uh, is absolutely essential to, you know, the life and to the livelihoods um, of, uh, of us all. Um, I think secondly, we see a, an opportunity to really um, do some combination of uh, building out, partnering, teaming up with um, other firms who are using digital science approaches, um, maybe to tackle things like that, operational or that, some of the deeper financial aspects of the equation, um, to create this sort of complete 360 degree view, cockpit view for utilities, so they really start to become truly data driven. Uh, and I think the, the third thing is that, you know, we will see um, a progressive um, ability to create more and more value from what here we call kind of the data moat. That's to say, you know, the very fact that you have more and more data uh, that we're already addressing enormous volumes of data. It allows you to develop more precise algorithms. Uh, it allows you to develop new ways to create value uh, for everybody from the customer to the utility manager to the regulator to the legislator. And also, because this is a, a big money endeavor um, in the water utility business, um, to the people who are going to be the sources of financing for that. Right. Because the investment gap in the U.S. because of that old infrastructure, it exceeds a trillion dollars. Oh wow! And uh, you know, if you if you're going to invest a trillion dollars, you probably want to know um, where to prioritize because you're not going to write a trillion dollar check in one go. Sure. Um, you know, so what what to do first, and you want to be able to measure what your return is, and that 
part of our hope in driving this data-driven future for the utility community. Sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm kind of curious, is there anything that you guys have kind of found just now that you, you started collecting all this data and you have a bunch of it now that kind of surprised you or anything that you kind of really learned that you were like, oh, I never would have thought of that? I'm always curious to know that with kind of big data companies like your, yourselves. I think there's a bunch of things that we learn. Um, there's lots of micro stuff that's not really appropriate to share in this format, but sure. um, but there's also, you know, some of these things like, you know, is the best comparison my neighbor? Um, and it's oh. absolutely not. And that's, that's not our instinctive um, sort of human reaction. Interesting. So what is the uh, best comparison? So the, the best comparison, you know, we, we model for about uh, eight or nine parameters. But I mean, you know, we match based on um, house size. Right. Okay. Family uh, size, et cetera. Size, you know, um, number of people in the home, uh, age of the home. Um, right. You know, look, ge geography matters. Um, but, but you can get a statistical match for what the, you know, what the weather and the, what they call the ETO, basically the evacuation rates are um, on any given day in a whole bunch of different places um, across even a large territory like the U.S. Um, and they, they aren't adjacent to each other. Interesting. No, that's, that's very cool. Um, but Robin, we're kind of running out of time. So I wonder if let's close the show, maybe kind of promoting where people can find um, WaterSmart online, any social media, and if you want to promote anything personally? I would certainly tell people that they can go and learn about this on uh, www.watersmart.com. Uh, they can find us on Twitter, on at GetWaterSmart. And uh, we have a whole array of... Uh, blogs and white papers and regularly run um, you know, public events, uh, including webinars and all the rest, so that people can inform themselves. And uh, we certainly want to see an engaged community around this type of problem. Sure. No, I, I think that's awesome. And I, I think it's super important. And I think, you know, like I mentioned earlier, I, I think now that you know you guys are kind of out there doing this i i think a lot of people are going to start caring and really start thinking about this stuff a lot more that's certainly our hope uh you know water is delicious and essential and irreplaceable sure. and we would think that we would take more care of it um and frankly soon we may have to yeah well even in certain parts of the world we already have to yeah so no. All right. Well, Robin, well, thanks again for doing this. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to kind of following um, you guys throughout the year and, you know, in the future. Okay. Very good. All right. Well, thanks very much, Robin. We'll, we'll talk soon. Have a good one. You too. Okay. Great to talk. Okay. okay. Bye. Thanks for listening. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.